Sketch 13 of Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed, by William Alexander McKay. Sketch 13. G. L. McKay, D.D., or... Zora's famous missionary. So much has been said and written of this most famous of all the sons of Zora, that it may be thought preposterous to attempt anything new. And yet one who has known him and his father's family intimately for half a century, who has prayed and preached, worked and worshipped, talked and travelled with him, may be pardoned if he seeks to bring out of the treasury of pleasant memories things new and old. The character of this really wonderful man is unique, and made up of apparently contradictory qualities. So simple, and yet so sublime. So meditative, yet so active. So tenacious of purpose, yet so yielding in matters of detail. So humble before his maker, yet so fearless before his fellow men. All this makes up a personality that Christian people in many lands have admired, and even revered. There are many interesting points of comparison between George Leslie Mackay and Charles Gordon, the hero of the Sudan. In both we see the same unfaltering faith in divine sovereignty, the same unswerving loyalty to the word of God and to prayer, the same heroic conception of duty, the same complete consecration to the cause espoused, the same disregard for personal comforts or discomforts, and the same intimate and uplifting fellowship with the divine. Mackay was not less a soldier than Gordon, for, though he fought with spiritual weapons, he has been no less intrepid and heroic as a soldier of Jesus Christ. The parentage of G. L. Mackay, like that of all Zora boys, is of the plebeian order. He can truly say, My boast is not that I can trace my birth from loins enthroned and rulers of the earth, but higher far my proud pretensions rise, the son of parents passed into the skies. His home, though humble, was Christian, and its memories have ever been an inspiration to him. In his book, From Far Formosa, he writes, Many a time in those first friendless days, in Formosa, when tongues were strange and hearts were hard, and the mob howled the loudest in the street, many a time among cruel savages in the mountains, when their orgies rose wildest in the night, many a time, alone in the awful silence of primeval forests, in solitudes never before disturbed by a white man's tread, many and many a time during these three and twenty years have I looked back from far Formosa, and in fancy gazed on my Zora home, and joined in the morning and evening psalm. Children were taught the Bible and the Shorter Catechism in the home, and on the Sabbath, in the church, the great doctrines of grace were preached with faithfulness and power. The pioneer highlanders of Zora left their children something far better than rank or wealth. They bequeathed them healthy bodies, active minds, tenacity of purpose, disregard of difficulties, and a profound reverence for things sacred. On the school playground, which was just the public road, G. L. Mackay was always a prominent figure, None could overmatch him in a foot-race, 
or in a shinty game, and although it could not be said of him, as of Thomas Guthrie, that he was noted only for fun and fighting, yet, as some of his old schoolmates will remember, he sometimes showed that the martial fires which thrilled his sires were alive within him. In the schoolroom he was ambitious, and generally stood due. On one occasion, when he was unfortunately obliged to relinquish this position in favor of his brother, he begged his brother not to report the fact at home. He writes, Before I reached the age of ten, the ever-blessed name was sweet and sacred in my ear. About this time the famous missionary, W. C. Burns, visited Woodstock and Zora, proclaiming the gospel of free grace and dying love, and rousing the churches. His enthusiasm was contagious, and fired the boyish heart of G. L. Mackay, and from this time Mackay was in heart consecrated to the foreign field. In order to acquire means to pursue his education, he taught school for a few years, during part of which time he required to walk four miles each day to and from his boarding-house. He early became an adept at handling the axe, and this has served him a good purpose in his missionary work. After this he entered Knox College, at the same time taking classes in the university. He completed his theological course in Princeton. When about to leave home for the foreign field, his father, with the natural feelings of a parent's heart, said to him, George, could you not get enough work at home? Father, was the prompt reply, for years the words have been ringing in my ears, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Nothing more was said by the father. The mother was seen trying to hide her tears. Being remonstrated with, she replied, amid sobs, Ata an spirad, gu tagorach, ach ata an fiol anmen. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. In 1871 he went forth as the missionary of the Canada Presbyterian Church, scarcely knowing whither he went, as he received no more specific instructions than to proceed to some part of China. After varied experiences on sea and land, he, in March 1872, first saw Tamsui and the dark hills beyond, and there came to him a calm, clear, prophetic assurance, This is the land. He was not disobedient to the heavenly voice. How he learned the language from the buffalo herd boys, so that in five months he was able to preach a sermon, his conflicts with the literati, the bitter persecutions he endured, his hair-breadth escapes, his many trials, his purpose of evangelizing the people through native converts, his method of educating his students in his converts, the wonderful success that ultimately crowned his labors. Into these we cannot here enter. They are recorded in his book. In 1899, Formosa was ceded by China to Japan. The change of government was not without its anxieties and dangers to our missionary. Then the widespread disturbances and the awful massacres in China, during the present year, could not fail to affect for the worse the minds of the Chinese and Japanese in Formosa, and many were the prayers offered throughout the Christian world that our missionary and his work might be protected. These prayers were heard, and so far nothing of a really alarming character has taken place. Dr. Mackay writes, the work is aggressive and progressive. The God of battles is with us, and we can sing, Onward, Christian soldiers, looking unto Jesus. Spiritual results cannot always be tabulated. Still, as indicating somewhat the extent of Dr. Mackay's work in Formosa, 
The following may be given from one of his recent reports. Total number of baptized Christians, 2,276. Native pastors, 1. Elders, 49. Deacons, 57. Chapels, 50. Preachers, 42. Students, 23. Schools, 5. Bible women, 27. Girls, 15. Boys, 120. Patients treated in hospital in one year, 5,130. His Power of Endurance This is something remarkable. Rather under than over the average height, he is straight as a needle, compactly built, with muscles of steel. His neighbors tell many stories of his wonderful muscular feats in the harvest field, at the threshings, and at the logging bees, but I dwell not upon these. During his first visit home, in 1880, his friends in Oxford County felt that it would be a becoming thing for the missionary's native county to raise a sum of money sufficient to enable him to build a college in Tamsui. I was asked to take charge of the work, and to accompany him in visiting the congregations. We held one, two, and sometimes three meetings daily, traveling twenty or thirty miles each day, he speaking about one hour each time, and I following him with a brief explanation of what was proposed to be done. At that time I had at least the physical strength of an ordinary man, but towards the close of the second week of our campaign I succumbed. The missionary was, however, as fresh as when he first set out, and took my Sabbath work for me, apparently without an effort. During the whole series of meetings he never manifested any signs of weariness or fatigue. The same power of endurance showed itself when he was engaged in long-continued mental effort. The Rev. Dr. McTavish, of Deseronto, who acted as Dr. McKay's amanuensis while preparing his book, Far From Formosa, says, Dr. McKay frequently dictated to me from 9 a.m. till 6 p.m., with only one hour's intermission at noon. This he continued, day after day, for several weeks. Students and public speakers can appreciate the amount of nervous energy that could endure such strain. Fertility of Resource During the tour through Oxford on behalf of his college, he spoke substantially every time on the same subject, yet he rarely repeated himself. His addresses in and around the county were twenty-five in number, and were so varied that they might almost have formed a series addressed to the same audience. But his fertility of resource manifested itself in other ways. When addressing children he spoke with the simplicity of a child. When dealing with students, he was emphatically a teacher, not simply imparting information, but aiming to draw out and develop their mental faculties. With inquirers he was tender and practical, seeking to find some common ground upon which they and he might stand. When speaking to large popular assemblies on the work so dear to his heart, his soul was fired, his dark eyes flashed, his countenance glowed, his whole frame seemed electrified, his voice rang out clear and true, until the audience seemed spellbound, responding to the varied emotions of the speaker. On the occasion of his last visit to this country, a missionary conference was held in Knox Church, Toronto. It was a gathering of more than ordinary interest, as a large number of the leading missionary workers in Canada and the United States were present. The church was packed with a highly interested audience. After Dr. Gordon of Boston and Dr. Pearson of Philadelphia had spoken, Dr. McKay was called upon to give the closing address. It was a scene never to be forgotten.
He spoke with extraordinary power, and every sentence burned deep into the hearts of the hearers, as he pled the cause of the heathen. At the close of his address Dr. Pearson rose, and asked if anyone present had taken a report of Dr. McKay's address, adding, I will gladly give fifty dollars for a report of it, for it is the grandest missionary appeal I have ever listened to. No reporters were present, and the address had not been written, but some persons present reproduced as well as they could, from memory, the substance of it, and it was published by Dr. Pearson, and tens of thousands of copies distributed in the United States and Canada. And what shall I say of the missionary's prayers? None could hear them without feeling that he was brought into the presence of the Eternal. How simple his language! How humble his attitude! How strong his faith! How direct and specific his petitions! His Lofty Aim During the tour referred to, $7,000 was raised, or an average of nearly $300 at each meeting. Yet Dr. Mackay himself never once asked for money. Indeed, there was very little asking on the part of any one. In his addresses he gave much information bearing on his field and work, but by far the most memorable portions of these addresses were his passionate appeals to sinners to come to Christ, and his fervent pleadings with Christians to higher consecration. His appeals were directed to the head and to the heart, rather than to the pocket, and yet, as the result showed, the pocket was reached and in more than one place wedding rings and other valuables were put on the collection plate. And in Eyre and Harrington the subscription book received handsome contributions from those outside the church, who, because of the crowd, were not able to get inside. Moral? While it is legitimate to speak to Christians in the plainest and most direct terms about money, yet there is another way, and in Dr. McKay's case it proved to be the better way. Notwithstanding political disturbances, the present year has been one of progress in Formosa. In a letter dated September 17, 1900, Dr. Mackay tells of a grand meeting in Oxford College, Tamsui, when thirteen native students, who had completed their studies, and two juniors, were sent forth to preach the everlasting gospel to their countrymen. In the same letter he tells of a meeting in the chapel, at Sutukka, when two hundred and twelve converts assembled, Twenty-nine were baptized, and sixty-two observed the Lord's Supper. At this meeting a number of Christians, ranging from fifteen to twenty-seven years standing, exhorted the new converts and thanked God that they had heard the gospel, accepted it, and followed Jesus through storm and sunshine. The hearts of thousands throughout Christendom are in Dr. Mackay's work, and many prayers go up for it. May it be blessed more and more. And at last may our devoted missionary lay down his work here, only to receive from his blessed Lord the crown of him who hath turned many to righteousness. End of sketch 13